Wandering Journo at Stories That Matter Studios. I'm Nance Haxton, and this is The Streets of Your Town. The podcast that takes you on an audio journey through theatre of the mind, highlighting a different slice of Australian life each episode. This is Stories of Survival, a special edition of Streets of Your Town, brought to you in collaboration with community support group, the Southwest Wellness Collaborative. It's a circumstance she never imagined could happen to her. Libby, which is not her real name, had spent much of her adult life working towards a good life for her husband and children. So it was a shock to her that soon after her husband died, she became homeless. And community workers are increasingly finding that her situation is not unusual. Recent research conducted by the Committee for Economic Development in Australia found that 6% of Australians live in poverty. That's more than one million people. If I'd done something wrong, you could understand it. Yeah, I was shocked that that happened. Did you ever think in your life that you could possibly be essentially homeless? No, never. I never. We've been here 25 years now, I have, and, you know, we owned our own home. We didn't know anybody anything we had a new car and everything you know we were went for holidays overseas you know so we had everything and then all of a sudden I've got nothing you worked so hard to cover yourself and pay off the mortgage and all those things that we dream about I suppose almost many people do yeah I was virtually left with nothing so yeah but um because you want to see your kids happy and and things like that, I suppose, and I'd done for one and the other, you know, you've got to equal it out, so, but never, ever thinking that. Um, I I didn't need a lot of money for myself. I've I've read statistics that show that older women are some of the, I think it's the highest growing proportion of people who are becoming homeless. Sounds like from your experience that's not surprising. Well, in this unit I'm in, a housing commission unit. There was a lady a week before me who moved in there. Her daughter threw her out, and the other lady on the other side, the same thing has happened to her. Mm. So I haven't talked to any of the others there. There's eight units, but the two next to me on either side have mm. both gone through what I'm going through. Yeah, so, so bad, you know, so, and they would have had everything as well. At this point in your life, such a shock. Yeah, well, I've got nothing left, no money. I'm living on a benefit and I've never been on a benefit in all my life, you know, so, yes. And I suppose it's good for people to know that there are... This happens to people, you know, you can plan and do all you can through your life, but sometimes circumstances... And and I'm so grateful for Sherwood House that they were there and because I didn't know what to do or where to go with Mm. anything. So they've advised me, they're helping me now, so Mm. it's really good. Yeah, so you get all the support you need here. And because I don't know a lot of people, I've joined in some of their groups here and done activities Mm. with the people here, which has been really good because they have so much going in here. They have, you know, lots of things that you can do. Oh, what what sort of, what have you found helpful? Well, they have a um, 
a Wednesday afternoon, they have a group, and you might come and you might have a game of bingo, mm. or for groceries, or you might have some other games, you know. So, and it's just to meet people and get involved with them. And I also see that they have yoga here and exercise classes in the mornings. So it's a sense so, of community. Yeah, really. yeah, it is. It's it's lovely for lots of people that come here. Especially if your network has broken down. Well, really. that's right, yeah. And I think when you work full-time, you have your work friends, and when you're at home, you have your family. Mm. And that's what my life was about. So I didn't know people outside, whereas now I'm getting to know people on the outside as well, So, which is really good for me. Mm. It's not worth stressing out, but you do. You've mm. been a mother all your life, and you never think your kids mm. will do that to you. Yes. What about the practical side of things too, like budgeting? And th- has that been a whole new experience with a reduced income? Must have been an incredible challenge. Yes, it has. Yeah. <clears throat> so Elizabeth and Michelle helped me with that mm. a lot. You know. So yeah, you're at the so, centre. That's good. Yeah, yeah. So which is good and advised me on different things what I could do. Mm. Yeah. So because my husband done a lot of the money side of things mm-hmm. um, yeah I was lost really I was yeah. lost without him we'd been together since we were 20 and 21 so that's a, a lifetime really you know so um, yeah it was hard but I'm getting there and how have you found it going through from housing commission now to to the unit uh, well, well from the unit that you're in from here and then to the housing commission has that been a a, a, a good process for you? You're feeling like you're in control a little bit more of your yes, life again? Yes, I do now, mm-hmm. yeah, and because I've got my own furniture and mm-hmm. in, in my house now that I'm in my unit, um, it's small, but I'm grateful that I've got it. Yeah. You know, from a big four-bedroom house and two lounges to to and a big backyard and that, which I couldn't really do myself, <coughs> but I wished I'd asked other people about it before I done what I done. Is that the advice that you'd like to give to people who might be listening to this podcast? Yes, I would mm-hmm. say go and see a lawyer first and um, don't think that your children won't do it to you because they do do it to you. I never ever thought that my son would ever do that. Yeah, but it has happened and it's sad. Mm-hmm. Breaks your heart. Yeah, because um, I think it would take a lot of courage, even at that early stage, wouldn't it, to to go to a lawyer and get advice if if you were being asked by your children to to do something, a big decision like selling a house. But you think that that's really a necessary thing to do to cover yourself? Well, yeah, I do. They have their own home. Mm. Yeah, and then they locked me out of the house. They changed the locks, even. So, um, yeah, so I couldn't get into the house. Yeah, so I was locked out of my own home. And then he put my furniture in storage. He paid the first month. And then luckily within that month, at the end of the month, I got my housing commission house. So that it really worked in quite well. Yeah, so I didn't have to pay out any rent plus um, storage for my furniture. Yeah, so... Um, 
yeah, which was really sad. Mm. Do you think, looking back now, that you would have listened if somebody had advised you that maybe this wasn't a good idea? What what can you say to people that they should listen to a wider circle of people, I suppose, when they're really isolated and vulnerable like that? Yes. The, uh, what I should have done was say, well, you come and live with me and mm. see how we go. Mm. But... Yeah, they they could have rented their house out mm. and come and live with me. Um, I most probably wouldn't have charged them rent because they would have just helped me with the rates and the mm. insurance and stuff like that for a while to see how we do get on. So, I mean, I'd never had an argument ever with them ever before, you know. So, yeah, I would advise people to go and get advice and ask them if they'd come and live with you in your house and see how it went from there. Yeah, even for a year, but not three months or a month, for a year, and then see if you if you get on, and then if you don't, you can say, well, I feel that it's not going to work. I don't want to say that I'll sell my house to you because... It'll get worse, it won't get better. And maybe to have someone with you, whether it's a sister or even a lawyer or some other person during those some of those negotiations as well. Yeah, when you're talking that. Yeah. Are you hoping that life will get better from here? I mean, what do you hold on to now after such a really difficult time, I suppose? Well, the thing is, I miss out on my grandchildren. You know, so that's my biggest thing. You know, uh, he says, oh, you're not going to see your grandchildren. But what have I done? What have I done to deserve that? It's like you've had to establish all new networks and start again. That's right. Mm. Right from to have everything and then to have nothing Mm. is quite sad. Yeah, but I'd advise people not to do that. Mm. So, and if if you do... As I said, just live with them first. You tell them to come and live here in the house and don't sign any agreement. Just say that, or you could sign an agreement. You could come and live here for a year and then see how it goes. And then I'll, if it doesn't work, you're to leave and and I'll be by myself and I'll decide what I want to do with my house. Did you know that there was a network such as Sherwood Neighbourhood Centre before all this happened? No. Nothing. I didn't even know that they had things like this, so it was really good. Mm-hmm. And not only is there an office, but there's like other people in that network that can help you, mm-hmm. and they put you on to the right people. Even though you can stumble in and say, I don't know anything, what's going on, I don't know who to talk to, they picked you up right from that point. That's right. I, I, to talk about it, I was in tears. Mm-hmm. I couldn't... I was so emotional... And I suppose I was depressed, you know, because that had happened. Mm-hmm. So, and I had never been depressed before. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you, you're on a real low, yeah. And they're still with you now? Still, you're coming down for the Wednesday meetings and... Yeah, and I pop in and see them and have a talk mm-hmm. at least once a week, you know, so it's really good. How important is that for you? It's good, yeah, because mm-hmm. I feel like coming back I'm still in contact with them they pick me up they see me at my worst Mm. and I'm thankful for that so Mm. you know I just come and say hello and how I'm getting on and it's really nice to catch up and let them know what's happening with me too yeah Yeah, so 
But um, I always think that, you know, it was bad for me, but there's always someone else worse around the corner. So, mm. but I'd be telling everyone that there's help here. You know, mm. start here. If I see someone in need, I tell them, ring Sherwood House. Yeah. And I suppose it shows that we can, in our little suburban existence, we can live very sheltered lives, can't we, and not know that there are people in need. No. Um, or, or we think that a person in need looks like that or acts like that or we see them at this place when really they could be anywhere. That's right. Mm. Yeah. Living next door. Well, mm. yeah, you just don't know. And until it happens to yourself, um, yeah, you never ever, because you never ever think you're going to be like that, mm. but you don't hear about it either. Mm-hmm. So unless it's on the news, which I watch the news, and you see that these elderly people are getting mm. abused, their, mm. their children are taking their money and their houses, mm. you know, so, yeah. But there is... As I say, not only Sherwood, there's p- places like this everywhere. Mm. So, and it's a, I think it's a new thing that's helping everybody who's in need. Yeah. So, so maybe if people can show a little bit of empathy, I suppose, a bit of understanding of the complexities that can happen at these any time in your life, really. Um, well, that's right. Mm. My girlfriend, my close girlfriend, she said to me. Um, that she was going to sell her house and go and live with her daughter, but now she's not going to do that because she's seen, no matter how good your children are, like people say to me, I never thought he'd be like that. He was such... I wanted him to be one of my daughter's husbands, you know. Mm. You never, ever thought he would be like that. So, yeah, it's quite sad. And to just look after yourself, I mean, that's hard when you've spent your life... Serving other people, particularly as a mother. Yeah, mm. yeah, that is hard. But we do need to look after our own interests, I suppose, ultimately yeah. as well. That's right, yeah, instead of giving it all away. Mm. Mm. And not feeling selfish about that. No, yeah, <laughs> I know, you just want everyone to be happy, you try and keep mm. the peace. Mm. Still, that happened to me. Well, we should pay tribute to your resilience too that you've come through such a difficult time. It can't have been easy, but here you are. Yes, I know. Mm. I've um, come through that and I'm a lot stronger. Mm. I was just a sook when it happened. I'm not surprised. Yeah, we all would have been. Down and out and Mm. thought, this can't be happening to me. And um, yeah, so I've come through it. It's made me a stronger person. Yeah. And I'm glad to hear that you've got your little house and your furniture and that you're settled somewhere again that you can call home. That's right, yeah. And it is home to me now, and mm. it will be. I won't never buy another house, mm. and I won't have the money to buy another house either, So, but that's going to be home for me. This could be encouraging to other people who might be in a similar situation, who might be beating themselves up, thinking, oh, it's all because I was so silly. And really, that this can happen to... To anyone, anyone, if they're in that circumstance. Mm, that's right, anyone. And you, as I said before, mm. you don't think your children are going to do this to you. Your story of survival, indeed, that you've come through the other side of that. Yeah, I'd just like to say to people, think 
before you do anything. Get the proper advice. It's all out there. Mm. Go to somewhere like Sherwood House in your area and don't let it happen to you. And thank you, Nancy. It's been great for you coming out here and I just hope that what has happened to me can help other people, you know, so not to make the same mistake that I done, yeah. President of the Australian Community Workers Association, Claudia Cunningham, says sadly Libby's story is becoming more common around the country. The lack of these basic resources is exposing older women such as Libby, particularly to isolation and discrimination, as they make up increasing numbers of those without a place to call home. My primary role is for emergency relief, so I assist people, make an assessment, and as you can imagine, when you first meet someone, you're only getting the tip of the iceberg in what is being told to you. Unfortunately, older women are in a situation where they usually, if they have worked, they don't have much superannuation. So that's a big drawback. They also um, may lose the family home. If they've been with a husband, he may die. They can't afford to maintain it. Or we have the other business now where we're finding that we have the elder abuse and unfortunately people are taking advantage sometimes of their parents, which is really hard to understand. So that's really difficult. What's, uh, what's the result of that, that people are just really left in a vulnerable situation and are very, often homeless? Very vulnerable, yes, and often mm. they are homeless and they don't know where to go to get assistance. Mm. Because they've not been in that situation before. They haven't before. been in that situation, yeah. and, and it's not really advertised, is it? Mm. I mean, when people are in trouble, they feel sick, they go to the doctor. But the doctor doesn't know where to refer them. Mm. And is that something, really, that could be, um, could be remediated? Yeah, you yeah, think improved. relationship, um, encouraging mm. doctors to become more involved in community affairs. Mm. I mean, I'm happy to go and talk to them and say, you know, this is what... And I have. I've sent brochures down to the local surgeries to say, you know, these are the things we can help with. Because really, your health, a lot of it comes down to whether you've got a roof over your head, doesn't it? Absolutely, and something to eat. Mm. And we do have... We've had families in cars, living in their cars with two or three children and a dog. And that's, that's not easy. Uh, young people, we give them swags. If um, you know, if they need it, they're sleeping in parks. But that's, you know, it's so unsafe. And then so many of them have actually medical conditions, and because of that, you know, their finances are just about nil, and they're living in their cars because they're homeless. So is it social problems that are getting worse or is the funding through to community organisations such as yours getting less as well? <laughs> well, one. our funding mm. hasn't increased really since we began in 1979. <laughs> so we have to supplement our income by letting our halls, mm. you know, and that's, that means <laughs> we're virtually living in the welfare state as well as workers. <laughs> you know, we've got to make ends meet. So, yes, the funding should be improved. And the thing is, the work we do in community and neighbourhood centres would normally have been done, say, in 1960s, 70s, through the department, state department. Well, they don't do any of that now. Everything is actually put out to the community. 
but we're not getting the resources that go with it to really make it work. And the community needs that support to get to the people who need it. Absolutely. Mm. Yes, yes. The other problem we had is um, publicising things that we have, activities that would help. Because people mm. see it as a stigma actually asking for help. So we have groups, um, you know, identified needs through the emergency relief is um, we've developed a little social club. We've got an anxiety and depression group, which isn't meeting very regularly at the moment, but that's understandable with that type of mm. issues. But the centre's obviously providing a pretty important hub for people to, I, I think to so. come to. Yes, I mm. do, but people aren't aware that they can come. Mm. Yes. So just thinking of our older people in the community and how you have noticed this rise in, in this incidence, what do you think could be done really to... Is it is it raising awareness for, for older people in the community to perhaps be really aware of, of, of their own vulnerability perhaps? I'm and their sure. rights. We'll have two part-time workers and they'll be raising awareness, doing some information sessions to start with mm. about elder abuse. And, you know, hopefully that just gets out to the community. So uh, people in that age group don't like to cause problems. Mm. They don't want to be stigmatised as having any issues because, you know, you you look after yourself. That's the way they've been brought up. And you've worked your whole life to get to where you are. You don't want to perhaps admit that, yeah, you could be vulnerable at that time. And if it's a child that's taken advantage of you, Mm. you think, I've done a lousy job as a parent, haven't I? Mm. It must be incredibly hard. You can understand why people perhaps would be unwilling to come forward, but they really do need to come and get that advice from other trusted oh, people. absolutely. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. Please come to the information sessions. And, and get some advice from you. Yeah. Mm. If you have any uh, doubts or one wondering about your situation and whether what's happening to you is actually the right thing, I suppose. That's, that's exactly right. To trust your instincts. Yeah, trust your instincts and then come and see someone and talk about it. Don't hide it under the carpet. That was Claudia Cunningham speaking to us from the Sherwood Community Centre in Brisbane. Streets of Your Town is produced by Nance Haxton, a.k.a. The Wandering Journo, with production assistance from Michael Adams. That's it for this episode. I'm Nance Haxton. Stay up to date with the latest episode of Streets of Your Town by subscribing on your podcast app on iTunes or SoundCloud. See you next time.